Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the beatitude in front of us today here on Sound Doctrine. Your spirit leads me on And I'm running after you, you. I'll leave behind the worthless love And I'm trading them for priceless truth We are glad you're with us as we present another Sound Doctrine with Pastor Jeff Johnson. We're moving at a rather slow pace through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, so as to glean as much as possible from it. In our study of the scriptures, it becomes increasingly clear that God is concerned with our hearts, the inner man, our character, and these Beatitudes really are revealing the true condition of the heart. Here's Pastor Jeff with part one of Pure in Heart. This morning we're in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 8. So we're moving right along. Slow but sure in this incredible look into the Beatitudes and on into the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Bible says that man needs a heart transplant. There's no waiting list. It's something that It needs to happen. Why? Because man is hard against God. He's he's stiffened himself against the Lord. In fact, Stephen said this in Acts 7, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. And when the Lord gives you a new heart... A real miracle takes place. He's the great physician. He's the great surgeon. And he is doing this operation to those who turn their hearts toward him. He then shows himself strong towards them. There's a uh, scripture in uh, 1 Samuel 10 where it talks about how Samuel is anointing Saul. And uh, all of a sudden, Saul just turns around and it says the Lord gives him another heart. And then he is filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to prophesy. What a miracle when someone gets a new heart. So when you look at Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It just is an overwhelming statement. It's awesome. Pure in heart will see God. And I, I don't think we can ever completely understand this. But I do believe that we can catch something of its meaning and the emphasis that he's trying to share with us. So kind of this is our next step into his presence. Remember, that is what the Beatitudes are doing, bringing us into the very presence of God. For it's in his presence is the fullness of joy. That Jesus prayed that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full. So it's a natural flow, a sequence that these Beatitudes take us from 
poor in spirit, that's where we started out, to rejoicing in tribulation. That's where we're going to end in the Beatitudes. Now the question is, why is this vision of God here and not at the very beginning? Because, I mean, when you really look at it, isn't this what all religions are always saying? You've got to see God, you know. I know when I was in Eastern religion, it was seeing the clear light, which is, of course, God consciousness. And, and every religion, when you look into them, it, the whole, the end of the thing, or actually the beginning of the thing is first see God. Of course, they're going after other gods and not the one true living God. But this vision of God, it's really an amazing thing. And I think that the reason that it is here in the middle of the Beatitudes is that the first three Beatitudes is our need for God. It just real you realize when you get through the three, the first three, I need God. I need Him in my life. And that's important. And then verse 6 gives us kind of the key to our Christian experience, and that is then get right with God. Not only get right with God, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then once we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the result, of course, of that is the fruit that we begin to experience as far as being merciful towards others. And then pure in heart. Not only that, we're going to find next week peacemakers, which is a key. Then comes that out, outcome of, of all of these beatitudes, and that is we're going to get persecuted because we're going to be really different. But we're going to have joy in our tribulation. So let's look at it. The first three beatitudes is kind of like climbing this mountain. And then in verse 6, it's getting to the summit of the mountain, and the rest of the Beatitudes is going down the mountain, okay? That's how I want you to view this journey that we're on to the other side. What's interesting is that the first three Beatitudes correspond with the last three Beatitudes. You say, what do you mean, Jeff? Well, you've got to be poor in spirit first before you can be merciful. First, you need to personally, spiritually hit bottom, be bankrupt in your life. Now, once you've hit bottom, you can properly look at others and view others in a proper aspect, in a proper way. Not until you hit bottom can you really be merciful. So first, total dependence upon God, and then merciful to others. So now we get to this pure in heart. How does that work in this thing? Well, it corresponds back to the second beatitude in the first group, those who mourn. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, when you mourn your sinful state, your lost condition your evil nature that you have within you, when you are really sorry for your sin. Blessed are they that mourn. They're going to be pure in heart because they mourn their condition of an unclean heart. God then cleanses us and gives us pure hearts. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
But we need to be walking with that humble heart. We need to be in that mournful state. And when we blow it, we need to say, gosh, i got to get it right. I mean, it's, I'm not going anywhere until I get it right. And that's true. Next week, we'll go into the peacemakers and see how they tie together with those that are meek. It's incredible. So the emphasis is on pure of heart, not on the promise here in Matthew 5, 8. This is the real essence of Christianity and the message that it gives to everyone. Because God wants to deal with our hearts. That's the area he always deals with, the heart of man. David cried out and said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. I love what is said in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Well, remember, Samuel is anointing David. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart. He deals with the heart. The heart is what is involved, the inward of man. Do you remember when Jesus had his bout with the uh, scribes and Pharisees over in uh, Matthew 23, starting with verse 25? He has the various woes there on these guys. And he says in Matthew 23, 25, Woe unto you, scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites, for you are like unto a whited sepulcher. And when he was talking about this, when he was sharing this, he was standing on, on uh, the, the Temple Mount looking over to the Mount of Olives, and on the side of the Mount of Olives is all these whited sepulchers. Sepulchers are gravestones, and you can just see the hundreds and hundreds of them on the hill or on the mount there of Mount of Olives. And he says, you're like these whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautifully outwardly, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Later on, he would say, you only care about the law. You're very careful to weigh out your tithe. But when it comes to the basic things of mercy and love, loving your neighbor, you just don't have it, man. You just don't have it because you haven't had a heart transplant. You're doing it all outwardly. So it's not really, when you get into this, it's not about the, in, you know, the intellect. These, these guys knew the law. They knew how to be religious. So it's, it's not about understanding doctrine and, and the law only. I mean, yes, we need to know the Word of God. That's very important. Don't get me wrong. But it's not all about that. It's a condition of the heart. Over in Proverbs, I love this Proverbs, Proverbs 4 in verse 23 
Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of the heart, are the issues of life. The heart of man. Keep it. Guard it. Job said, who by seeking can find out God to perfection? So head knowledge is not the total emphasis here. Remember when Jesus prayed out and said, Father, I thank you that you have not revealed these things to the wise and prudent, but unto babes. Because, see, there's a lot of people that know a lot, but you gave it to those that are simply seeking you with the whole heart. These are are the things that you reveal to those who have changed hearts. It's a heart matter. Remember, it's not what we do, but who we are that we've been talking about. The Beatitudes show the character of a man or of a woman, his very character. So it's not what you know but how you live your life. And here's where we need to be careful. Because remember, as Christians, we're lining ourselves up to to these Beatitudes, trying to find out how Christ-like we are. How close are we to the Lord? How are we coming into this lining up of a character of a real Christian? And we're going to come short, but that's all right, because we humble ourselves, we cry out to God, and He helps us along the way. But we need these eye-opening times. Knowing him is loving him. Knowing him is producing fruit. Remember, Jesus said that in John 15, that you'll bear much fruit. And the word of God will cleanse you and wash you. Why? So you can bear fruit for his glory. So my heart is who I am. It's not just my affections. It's not just my emotions. It's the center of my being. It is my personality. When he talks about the heart, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about mind, will, and heart all together. My total being. This is my heart. And so out of that, out of my total being, come the issues of life, who I am. And it makes sense. It's all... Also, I, the heart is also, I think, our greatest troubled area. I mean, here, out, of the, out of the heart comes our, our troubles. Out of the heart comes our problems. Over in um, Matthew fifteen nineteen, he says this, For out of the heart proceeds the evil thoughts, the murderers, the adulteries, the fornications, the thefts, the false witness and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And he goes on. But it's out of the heart that becomes, we see our problem. I've got a bad heart. I need a heart transplant. So man's problem is not like a lot of people think, because of course the natural man will think, well, the problem is, is his environment and how he was raised. He had a lousy environment. Wrong. What do you mean wrong? Don't you remember when man fell, he was where? In paradise. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Whoa, it's not the environment then. No, it's not. So perfect environment won't change a man. It's from his heart. All things wicked proceed. 
Again, over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 34, listen to what he says here. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And he he busted them right where they were at. They had evil hearts. So it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. It's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him, that you can see immediately. We judge people by their fruits and by what's coming out of their mouth. And what comes out of their mouth is out of their very being, their total being, who they are, what they are. Jeremiah 17, and let me just read it to you. You can just mark it down. But in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, Jeremiah says this, The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord searches the heart, and I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways. So the Lord knows our hearts, doesn't he? Before him, all things are naked. He knows where we're living, man. He knows what what we are, who we are. You can snow people around you for so long, but the Lord knows. And do you know? See, this is the good news. The good news is that the Lord's saying, your heart is wicked, but I want to give you a heart transplant. I love this scripture over in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 36, 26, mark that down. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. There is the transplant. There's the good news. And I love what Paul says, continuing on with this in this idea in Romans, in chapter 2 of Romans. He says, for he is not a Jew, and I want to kind of inter- you know, put something in here, and this is Romans 2, 28. But he is not a Christian, which is one outwardly, Neither is that circumcision, or we'll stick in baptism. Neither is that baptism, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, or he is a Christian, which is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not of the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So the circumcision of the heart, that's the bottom line. The heart's wicked. Why? Because of man's fall in the very beginning there in the garden. Because of sin. So education, environment is not going to help a man. Oh, it'll make him a smart sinner. Right? He just gets wise. There's nothing worse than a smart sinner. You know, he can can be in church a long time and just sit, sit there and snow everybody. He can worship. Snow is Snow is a girlfriend and say, I'm a Christian. Look, I'll even raise my hands. Such a wicked heart, guy. Just a winner over? Oh, yeah. Great extent. We need to be careful. So what is this pure in heart? Well, I know this, that it's beyond man. It's beyond what man can do in his life. I don't care how many yoga sessions you have or whatever you're into. It's beyond what man can do. Over in uh, Titus, Paul talking to this young pastor, and this is uh, 
in Titus chapter 3, in verse 5. He says, not by works of righteousness. Well, I've been water baptized. Oh, yeah. I took communion. Great. You know, there's a lot of people that feed on these outward things to make us, you know, well, I'm, I'm one of you. Because I've done these things. Hey, it's not about your righteousness before men. Remember, Isaiah said, your righteousness is filthy rags, which you have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. There is the power of God in one's heart. The transformation is by the Word of God and by the power of His Holy Spirit working in us. So it's not by baptismal regeneration. You know, there's a cult going around, and I just had somebody this last week come up to me and ask me about it, and they're called um, L.A. Church of Christ, and I'm sure some of you have heard about this cult. And they believe in baptismal regeneration. Do you know what this means? It means that they believe that baptism saves a man. Not until you are water baptized are you saved. And, of course, they're kind of, you know, disagree with Calvary Chapel because we don't hold it as far as having a baptismal or getting people immediately once they receive Christ to get them dipped in the water because this is so important because that's not what we believe we don't believe in baptismal regeneration. Over in 1 Corinthians, though, there's an interesting scripture that Paul says this in verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Now, Paul was mightily used to bring many people to Christ, and many received the Lord and had changed lives and hearts. But he didn't baptize them because it wasn't that important. Because he didn't believe in water or in baptismal regeneration. He believed that you need to receive Christ by faith and faith alone and you shall be saved, period. That's salvation. That's by the grace of God, not by works, lest any man should boast, huh? So, what about baptism? Well, we have a baptism coming up this Saturday. Well, then if it's not that important, why should I come? Because you're following a commandment of the Lord to be baptized. And every time we follow God's commandments, we're going to be blessed. And really, the way Mark says it is he says, and you'll experience your, the fullness of your salvation as you continue to follow him, as you are baptized, as you continue to take communion and do the things he's asked us to do. There's a fullness that comes with it. Don't miss out on that fullness. Come on down and be baptized this Saturday. It is an an important one-time event for the Christian, but it's an outward show of an inward work that God has already done. You're already saved. That has nothing to do with the water. The water is just a watery grave to reveal the symbolic gesture that you have gone under and been put into his death, and you have risen in newness of life. But oh, what a powerful time. What a great time for family and friends and everyone. Pastor Jeff Johnson with Sound Doctrine from the Gospel of Matthew. Well, here's our toll-free number, which you can use to order this study on CD and other helpful resources from us. It's 800-353-7553. Again, 800-353-7553. 
We also house all of our Matthew messages online at sounddoctrineradio.org. Now you can take Sound Doctrine with you wherever you go through the Sound Doctrine podcast. Simply search for Sound Doctrine podcast in your favorite app store. And it is also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. How's your devotional life going these days? Could it use a kickstart? Well, allow me to recommend Daily Devotions with Calvary Chapel Pastors. This collection of daily devos will edify you as you read God's inspired Word. You'll hear people of God pour out their hearts, sharing personal experiences of God's faithfulness. It's authored by Chuck Smith, Skip Heitzig, our own Jeff Johnson, Greg Laurie, Raul Reese, Mike McIntosh, Don McClure, Joe Foch, and many more. Simply give us a call at 800-353-7553. Or you can order it online through our e-store at sounddoctrineradio.org. Your financial support is not only needed at this time, but would be very much appreciated. Think of your donation as an investment into the lives of listeners around the world who make it their aim to build their lives on the sound doctrine contained in the Word. So thank you very much for linking arms with us. Go online to sounddoctrineradio.org and click Give or call us 800-353-7553. Well, there is much more to come in Matthew. Set aside a half hour each day as together we open and study the Word with Pastor Jeff. Sound Doctrine is furnished on this station by Calvary Chapel Downey. So far, yeah.